week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Gobbledygook by the Wendy's. I almost think this was a dare. Should I just be honest and just say there's nothing about this that I like? It's, it almost sounds like the same song 11 times. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, uh, before we get into tonight's episode, which is a listener suggestion, I want to tell you about something that I was listening to today that wasn't for the uh, podcast. I was okay. listening. Yeah, this is this is going to be awesome. So just prepare. I was listening to the remastered Flash Gordon soundtrack. <laughs> wow. Yes. When did when did this come out? Uh, a couple years ago, and there's a whole bunch of bonus tracks. Um, there's like a whole second disc of alternate takes of songs and demos, and then there's like live versions of Queen playing them live in concert. I'm shocked that there was actually a demand for this. Well, there should be a demand because it is an incredible soundtrack. I wish we could review it because it's so badass. Particularly, there's two things I wanted to point out about this soundtrack and why it's so awesome before we get into our review. One, and I I know that you you are really familiar with the movie, Jay. I've watched it at least once a year, and I'm sure you have too because of its awesomeness. No, I have not. (laughs) People who have not seen Flash Gordon need to go back and rewatch it because... It blows the new Marvel comic book movies away in its awesomeness. <laughs> is it Opposite Day? It is Opposite Day. No, it's, okay. it's actually a really bad movie, but the, the music is awesome. It was done by Queen. And there's a particular scene. Uh, there's the Hawkmen that are in the movie. And yeah. they are, they're, they're flying uh, to attack a ship. And uh, Flash Gordon is, is, I think, he's on some sort of like a scooter type thing, a flying scooter. And uh, the Hawkmen are keep diving down in waves and attacking the ship. And um, there's this one, it's, you know, the music's all keyboard and cheesy and stuff like that. And then at one point, all of a sudden the drums kick in and then Brian May comes in with like these awesome guitar riffs and he's playing these leads. I swear to God, if I had heard this in, in high school and actually been paying attention, I would have gone out for the football team just so I could listen to that to get me pumped up before football games. That's how that's how badass and inspirational <laughs> it was, and I would have gotten a Hawkman tattoo. God, I don't remember anything that awesome on the soundtrack. I've listened to it's, it. But it's I just great. remember it. There's a lot of voiceover stuff from the movie. Yeah, and, there is. Uh, the second thing a lot that's of like awesome. keyboard sounds and stuff. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's a lot of keyboards. Second thing that's awesome, and I'm I'm mad, and I want somebody to do this because if I had realized it, I would have done it myself. Brian May plays Here Comes the Bride for the wedding scene. And he's got, like, his guitar is, like, you know, it's got that double sound that he has on everything. I don't know. He's not playing doubles. He's got, like, some sort of effect that harmonizes with himself. Uh, It's incredible. I mean, it's it's Brian May playing Here Comes the Bride. That should have been at my wedding. That should have been at your wedding. Somebody's wedding that we know should have that (laughs) instead of the the canned or, um, you know, live flute and lute players. Somebody needs to get Brian May's version into their wedding. I could get on board with that. Okay. Thank you. That's all I wanted to say. Half of what you said was completely nuts, but I can get on board with that last part. (laughs) Uh, How uh, how are you doing today? Good. Good. I don't know that I'm as enthusiastic as you are tonight, but 
Uh, I think you'll well, balance where, me out. That's where my enthusiasm ends, for the most part. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, no, it's... Uh, I, I, I'm not going to say that. That's, that's, that's tipping my hat. Uh, we're doing a listener review, as I mentioned before. This one comes from uh, Shell over at the I Hate the 90s blog. And I actually went back trying to figure out where she suggested this from. And I, I thought it had, came, it had come from a Facebook posting. And she had mentioned uh, the band we're reviewing, which is the Wendy's, and their debut album, Gobbledygook. But I went back today to the Facebook page, and I couldn't find where she had mentioned uh, we should review this band. So maybe it came in Twitter, or maybe it came in an email. I don't know. But I thought it was on Facebook. Nonetheless, we are reviewing the Wendy's. Jay, I am going to go out on a limb and say that you were not familiar with the Wendy's prior to this. Uh, you're a prophet. Yes. I, I, I had never heard of this band. I'm guessing a lot of people have not heard of this band. This might be one of the most obscure bands that we do. Is that safe to say? Uh, I think, uh, shoot, was it Head Candy was pretty obscure? Are they more ob- obscure than Head Candy? They might be the UK's version of Head Candy. Okay. They might like be the, re- Scot- the Scottish Head Candy. Almost just like more of a regional kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about why uh, the Wendy's were so obscure and get into the history of the band. History of the band. The Wendy's formed in Edinburgh, Scotland. Is it Edinburgh or Edinburgh? Edinburgh. 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 Well, there's no O at the end. I'm thinking that there should be an O, like B-O-R-O, but it's B-U-R-G-H. Yes. Okay. Edinburgh, Scotland, <laughs> in eight, in 1987, by John Renton on vocals, Ian White on guitar, Arthur Renton on bass, and Johnny MacArthur on drums. They signed to Tony Wilson's Factory Records, home of Happy Mondays. New Order. Uh, they were the second Scottish band that was signed to Factory after the band The Wake. Their first album came out on Factory in 1991, and the following year, Factory Records filed for bankruptcy and went on hiatus. Aww. Are they to blame? Possibly. Their second <laughs> album, Six Foot Windspan, came out on Star Shaped Records in 1999. And that is all from the Wendy's. Now, I mentioned that they were signed to the same record label as the Happy Mondays and New Order. Mm-hmm. Is it safe to say that they are in the same musical vein as the Happy Mondays and New Order? And Jay, what was your take on the Wendy's? Well, I, I kind of felt that maybe this was a test <laughs> for me. I think my review might be more about um, me questioning whether or not I have what it takes to be a quality music reviewer because uh, th- there is very little uh, about this band that that I would normally like. Um, but I- I'm struggling to, as I'm listening to it and reviewing it, try to be fair about it. Try to see, uh, you know, what other people's perspectives might be, what what things other people might appreciate. Um, but at the same point. Uh, you know, I, I think part of this show is our natural, you know, our honest and real reaction. So same point, I, you know, I'm struggling with 
should I just be honest and just say there's nothing about this that I like? No, you uh, should be for, honest. I mean, you should give your for, first response the first time you listen to the album. Yeah, and then, so you know what you've investigated listening to it over and over again, assuming you made it back to a second listen. Oh yeah, I definitely did. So yeah, in the in the spirit of that, you know, my honest reaction is, you know, look, there's nothing here that 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 I that I typically would like. Um, you know, you could start with the guitar. You know, I don't like the guitar tone. I don't like the parts he plays. Um, he sounds like he's playing through like a rolling keyboard amp or something. It's just completely sterile and clean. Uh, vocally, it's you know repetitive and fairly uninventive. He doesn't do anything from a range standpoint that's interesting. Drum-wise, the drums sound like bad keyboard drums, <laughs> um, and not even good. Like you know, it sort of has a drum drum machine sound to it, but not in a good way. Um, in a in a kind of a, a poor, really dry, lifeless way. Uh, the one thing I will say, I guess a positive though, I, I guess in the band is that the bass player, um, really, what is what there is of songs, he's really driving that. And the thing I did find interesting that made me dig a little bit deeper and continue to listen to it um, several times and actually do a little bit more research was, uh, you know, just the way that he was approaching that bass. It reminded me a lot of of what I know of New Order. Um, I can't say I'm the biggest New Order fan in the world. I do like their later stuff, which I, I know most of their super fans probably would not agree with that, but um, I seem to tend to like the later stuff better. So that that approach to bass playing really te- uh, tipped off where they were coming from. So the idea that you know the bass guitar isn't there just to fill out the bottom and actually pro- provides the melody for the song, um, which I think is a really, really cool idea. And I think... You know, obviously, New Order probably does it better than anybody. So there is that element to their music. Um, unfortunately, the rest of the band, I don't think, really rises to the occasion or really, you know, pays off what the bass player is trying to trying to do. Um, so it did. It did. It did lead me back to you know listening to some New Order and really all the bands um, that were on that label and from the the I guess the Manchester sort of mm-hmm. uh, school. Uh, so. The thing that really, I, I guess, to be fair to this band and try to be a little bit more objective about it, the thing that they don't do that the other bands do really well is, you know, those bands all have texture to them. They have, um, you know, if they do use drum machines, they have a, it's it's on purpose because they're trying to get like a dance element to their music or at least a rhythm, rhythm um, that has a dance feel to it. This band tries to do that, but they, the songs are too slow and there's just no, like they're kind of like dance beats, but you couldn't dance to them because they're not fast enough. They're like a five or 10 beats off from being like ha- having that feel to them. So, you know, and I went back and listened to bands that I didn't, in contrast, you know, didn't think I would ever like in a million years. But after listening to this band, I actually, you know, thought they sounded pretty damn good. So like... You know, just sampling like Charlatans and Stone Roses and bands like that that I didn't really think, you know, I was ever going to get into. After listening to this band, when I listen to them, I'm like, oh, wow, this is really full. And there's all kinds of cool textures here. And there's, you know, the guitars are doing interesting things. And actually, those drum parts are really cool. And so it did sort of push me back to that whole genre of music and make me listen to it with fresh ears. 
but unfortunately it was because I was trying to contrast like why what the, what they were doing didn't work and why what all those other bands did does work. So that's my best attempt at being honest, but but somewhat fair. You're you're no, you're not far off from where I am. I I, I liked maybe two and a half songs on here, and they were the songs that got the closest to sounding like New Order. Uh, track nine, Half Pie. Mm-hmm could be a New Order B-side. So I, I think the best song on the album is track seven. I want you and I want your friend. He's uh, John Renton's singing a little bit lower, and he almost sounds like Nicky Wire from Manic Street Preachers when he sings. It's I a little written, bit. I written down uh, psychedelic first for that, so that sort of makes sense with the yeah. lower yeah register. lower register and almost going off key a little bit here and there. Yeah. Um, but that that to me, and it had the most. It, it had actually had something of a hook to to remember. song that in terms of the guitar playing that I, I, I thought was mildly interesting was track two uh, pulling my fingers off because there's actually two guitars kind of going back and forth it sounds like they overdubbed um, unless the bass player is just playing some really high notes I, I, I think it's the bass because I marked, that was the first song where I really noticed like oh wow this bass player is really doing a lot of work here and, and providing a lot of melody it's I, pretty I'm pretty sure it's bass yeah yeah, because the bass player and the and the guitar player are basically playing opposite ascending and descending lines, and it sounds pretty cool. And it's towards the end of the song; it's not in the whole song. Unfortunately, other than that, I'm I'm kind of with you. It's it almost sounds like the same song eleven times. And, you know the <laughs> yeah. In terms of you know the tempo fluctuates a few beats here and there. The drummer yeah. changes from playing either like a a stomping four on the floor kind of beat to playing a really tom heavy uh um, or snare heavy repetitive beat and the guitar playing is probably the weakest part of the record in so much that it has the exact same tone it kind of every single song is played 
without any sort of um, energy. It's just all sort of jangly, and not jangly in that like birdsy, you know, '60s psychedelic way, but just like a lot of chorus. It sounded on the on the on the guitar. Yeah, and just it's, no definition to what he's playing. It's just sort of like it's meandering. Know, yeah, it's very meandering. <laughs> but, uh, and I really, uh, I really missed keyboards in this band you know that's one of the big elements of, of a lot of the other uh bands of that genre and that scene that that works really well whether it be some sort of organ or a piano or straight up synth you know that that was a big part of the sound and you can see why the instead with this band we get the same a similar style or similar approach to songwriting a similar attempt at rhythm even maybe vocally you know the, he's trying to do similar things but instead of keyboard we get really generic clean guitar which just does not work at all no there's there's you know when you mentioned the bands like stone roses and, and happy mondays and primal scream they all have identifiable traits mm-hmm. to the bands to the albums you know stone roses are john squire's guitar uh the the drugged out vocal delivery of Ian Brown, uh, same thing with Happy Mondays. You know, it's all that Sean Sean Ryder's personality. Primal Scream is is whatever album that they're doing. They're putting forth a very distinct vision for that album, whether it's Screamadelica or Vanishing Point or Exterminator, or, yeah. or you know, they have a very distinct sound. They take on a whole personality. They t- yeah, exactly. Album. And even if you compare, you know, if you listen to like say New Order, '80s New Order, post just post after um, Joy Division ending, you know, there's a lot of diversity to those albums. They weren't afraid to. Yeah, they wanted to do dance beats and a lot of the stuff, but they would throw in acoustic guitars. They would throw in really slow songs. Yeah. And this sounds like basically they they listen to one New Order song off of. Uh, vigilantes or or one of the other you know poppier albums and then just wrote that song 11 times like yeah. and it's it's kind of disappointing because you can i think that there's some talent there but they're just locked into this one groove and one sound and there's no there isn't a single instrument except for drums bass and guitar that's it they never yeah, change they, the sound of any of them. And all the, like, like I think you, you've said a little bit, and I said, you know, and, and all their contemporaries were brave enough to, you know, try different things, incorporate different instruments, use different tones, play in different tempos. Um, I'm not sure, you know, maybe they were just very, not as mature as those bands musically yet. Um, so they, they hadn't got to that point. You know, perhaps they just got picked up as part of the scene you know i think when we talk about seattle a lot um i think that's a topic that we've talked around a little bit just in terms of how many bands from that area you know got signed when bands were getting signed and maybe they were you know just a case of just getting picked up with everybody else when there was some momentum around that that scene and looking like it was going to be something big you know maybe all the bands that were out playing just just got some sort of deal whether they were ready for it or not and maybe they just weren't at least for this album quite there yet um 
they definitely don't have the maturity of, of a, most of the other bands that uh, that we've mentioned. And they don't seem to have much of an identity. You know, some other bands that popped up in terms of the scene and the sound of the early 90s, like Suede and the, and the first Blur album, and you mentioned the Charlatans. Um, you know, those bands had a bit of personality to them besides yeah. just the music. And I just, there's nothing going on with the vocals that gives you any sense of personality. Well, the lyrically either. I mean, the, the, the attempts he makes at, you know, I think making a statement with lyrics, it kind of comes off weird and creepy as opposed to <laughs> anything else. I, like right. the, that song, the track two, pulling my fingers off. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's not a very pleasant lyric to listen to. He gets fairly graphic with it. <laughs> and, uh, I'll, you know, I'm sure there's an analogy there, but it's just kind of like uh, just bizarre, kind of garish. It, it's not really, it doesn't come together. It, it doesn't, you know, have some under, you know, sort of a, a poetic uh, alternative, you know, take to what he's saying. bands either lyrically or vocally or you know the music had a little edge to it this this music has no edge you know by by the end of the album i was dying to hear some distortion which that's what i was thinking the same thing too just like somebody just needed to come in kick on a distortion pedal it could have some flange on it i don't care just get something in there with some diversity just don't just don't use the exact same guitar tone and basically play almost the same chords it sounds like yeah. they're in the same key on every song and there's like there's just nothing to gravitate towards there's nothing to say well this song is better because it's slower this song is heavier this song because it's like no it's the exact same song every time well and and i as i'm as i was listening to it i was like oh well they're you know they're like uh they're one of those you know madchester bands so i'm gonna go back and listen to the, some of those and that's what they all did well no they didn't like you know going back and listening a lot of them used distortion. A lot of them used acoustic guitars in place of clean guitars. Not to say none of them played a clean guitar, but, you know, no, none of them, you know, basically plugged into a rolling keyboard amp and played the the damn thing from start to finish the entire album and never did anything else. It's, it's very, just very flat sounding. It's not yeah. very dimensional at all. I think we have, um, I think we have beat this one into the ground. 
I think we should. But it's, here's the thing. When I actually looked up this album on the internet, there are a lot of really, really good reviews for it. So there are people who really like this album. God. And, you know, I'm sure those are people who are into all the bands that we mentioned. Stone Roses, Happy Mondays, Primal Scream, Charlatans, etc. So... What are we missing? Is this well, like the band of, band of Susans? <laughs> well, that's totally the thing is that I love Primal Scream. I'm a yeah. huge Primal Scream fan. Uh, Stone yeah. Roses I like, and Happy Mondays I've never really gotten into. It just never floated my boat. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I love Suede. I love Blur, New Order, Charlatans I like a lot. But this doesn't seem to fit. Even of those bands, this doesn't really seem to fit in there as much as it people think it does just well, because like, it's not as it's not as adventurous as those yeah, albums and, are and like i said i feel weird because it made me go back and and you know give another listen to a lot of those bands um and yeah it, it was like okay well they're from this i can tell they're from this school and, and from this you know this genre but this, they're not even close like it's not it's not even it's not close to any of these band standards and I, it, it was. It, I was thinking of bands like the Soup Dragons. You remember them? Oh yeah, Soup like, Dragons. I'm like, I'm like, maybe they're like them. You know, maybe the Soup Dragons were like a, oh, a no. more commercial, commercial version of that. You know, scene or something. And I went back and was listening to some of that album. I was like, oh my god, no, this is like we've got way more edge and like hooks and all kinds of stuff going on. So I was. It, it sort of set me down the path, and and I, f- I figured you know I would be in the ballpark because I didn't know anything about the band coming into this until you said the history. So. I figured, you know, I was in the right ballpark, but I I could not find another band that really, that that sounded like them. And, um, you know, I think what it helped do for me is elevate the whole genre in in my mind in terms of, you know, wanting to go back and learn more about it, but sort of downgraded this band a lot. Well, that's good because, you know, I didn't think I'd ever get you into the Madchester band. So the fact that this is sort of the this is sort of the accidental gateway for (laughs) you getting into those bands is is actually uh, fairly productive. It's hard to get to this next section because I can't necessarily even recommend the album. But other than people who are already into these bands, I was trying to think of bands from the last 10 years that people might like that might want to listen to this album. Um, I had a hard time with that. But a the couple Spin Doctors? N- well, no. Yeah, The Spin Doctors. Oh, last 10 years. Sorry. Last 10 years. Uh, one band that... Or a couple bands that came to mind. One was The Rapture. Uh, they do that, like, dance punk sound, disco punk sound. You know, a lot of clean guitars, very strummy. <laughs> I, it's it's close. It's not... I, I don't yeah. think it's necessarily... Gonna, that's yeah. way more edgy. Um, yeah, way more and creative. <laughs> some... some UK bands like The Doves and Kasabian were a couple of bands that I thought of in terms of they have, they're, they're being groove-oriented, but that's a stretch. And then another band, which probably, it, it just again because of the rhythm stuff, is The Go Team, which I like about two songs per album for The Go Team, and then the rest of it kind of annoys me. But that was it. That's all I could come up with for if you if you wanted to get into this band. Those might be some bands that are an entry point but could you think of anything i really can't i mean i think those are <laughs> those are good attempts no i i, I well yeah what did I, actually vocally what did it remind me of i wrote down something oh <laughs> this is gonna be 
<laughs> okay, so you're going to have to listen to the, at least some of the album again, just a little bit. And uh, just listen to the phrasing that the singer uses and a little bit of his voice. And tell me if you think it sounds... You have to completely isolate the music. But tell me if you think it sounds like the upper crust. Oh my god. I only have one upper crust album, so... Just in terms of, like, you know, he uses the most obvious, like, rhyming patterns. And, like, you know, it's pretty much paint by numbers and he repeats things. You know what's going to come. And even some of the phrasing he used and stuff, I was like... uh, I know for most people they're like, what is he talking about? But if you just listen to it, it's isolated that way and think of that band. <laughs> that's one that came to mind. So that, that's where my head was on this. I was just completely lost in the woods. Yeah, Do you I think Shell was te- testing us? I don't playing, know. I, I, playing a I'm cruel a, joke I'm, on us? I almost think this was a dare. <laughs> because she has she a lot a of great music that she's really supportive of. Supportive of. Uh, on her blog, which is I Hate the 90s, and this isn't even posted on her blog. So if she liked this album, it would be on there. Dude, I think she's trying to sabotage us. I think this was a practical joke. Because <laughs> I she think this got a... mentioned in, in regards to shoegaze. I think like, what she did is referred to as a podcast bomb. Yeah, that's what she did. She dropped a podcast bomb on us. <laughs> Way to go, Shell. Oh, you, you win but, this uh, round. You're saying people like it, right? I mean, you saw positive reviews. It had, so. it had like a one positive review on Amazon, and no, no negatives. And then it, you know, it had you know, if you if you search on albums, there's always music blogs out there of people who have reviewed stuff, and they're like, "This is an album from back in the day, and it's totally awesome." And somebody said that somewhere. So somebody somewhere somebody somewhere said that. That's all I can tell you. Uh, we're. I, 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 I'm on I'm on uh, Amazon right now. I got to read this positive review. You find that positive review <laughs> and you read it. I'm going to wrap things up here. I don't think we need to spend any more time on this album. Please come back next week where we will have a positive review for you. Hopefully, I uh, can't guarantee anything, but the odds are when you look at our previous reviewing history, uh, for every uh, negative review that we have, we usually follow it up with a couple positives to wipe the or wash the uh, bad taste out of our mouths. So, um, please come back next week. It's easy to get lost in the blissed out drumming and, and guitar strumming. Well, that's yeah, maybe lo- the problem. You get lost, is, that, all right. is that we're not taking ecstasy. Yeah. If we were taking the, ecstasy, this might this album might be incredible. The jangle is especially interesting. Okay. Well. Oh, so you found the review. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's really all they say is just like maybe from a sound standpoint, they, they like it. So, I mean, I guess if you like, if you don't like distortion and you don't like things that are, you know, abrasive or, or dark sounding and you just want something, you know, sort of put on the background, uh, you know, I guess it's it's valid in that, in that yeah. regard. It's very consistent. <laughs> that's a difficult thing to review, though. You sort yeah. of have to just put it on and zone out and just be like, well, when I was zoned out, it didn't bother me. Right. It was it was it was rather pleasant. We have nothing more to say. We're, we're just reading reviews off of the internet. <laughs> it's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to give you All our right. opinion. So we're done. Uh, thanks, everybody, for suffering through this with us. Uh, if you have any comments or uh, questions, uh, please see Shell at I Hate the 90s for suggesting this one to us. And we will be back next week with another episode 
of Dig Me Out. Want to leave feedback? Join the conversation about this episode. Visit digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. You're for seeing-